UFOs and flying saucers and ETs In government conspiracies But I've seen none of the above If I did, I think I probably would run a million miles Lose my little mind Hello and welcome along to X-Files Talk X-Files The only podcast that never found a mysterious substance it didn't want to taste <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it wouldn't be the X-Files if Max Mulder didn't eat the evidence. <laughs> There's a cartoon that did the rounds online probably 10 years ago or something, which was Mulder and Scully, and he's given some big sort of speech about what this thing could possibly be, and she's like, and yet you instinctively put your finger in it. <laughs> There's a lot of things you can say about that, yeah. Mulder, but maybe I won't go there. <laughs> Actually, I have um, an X-Files bingo sheet because you're supposed to be playing along if you want to online. I, I keep forgetting to do it. But one of the boxes is Fox Mulder touches something disgusting. <laughs> so they, yes. they know. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, this is David. And joining me today is Caver and Roy. Hi to both of you. Hello. Hello. Um, so we've got quite a lot of stuff to talk about here. Um, we have the brand new episode Familiar to talk about. And Kava has just gotten back from X-Fest. And as you can hear, she's still suffering by the convention <laughs> crud. Um, so she's going to give us a little bit of insight into that. Um, I just have a little bit of news I want to share with everybody real quick. Um, you know how when we started recording these season 11 uh, podcasts, I said that I'd written a book? Yeah. It is now available to buy on Amazon. Oh, so, fancy that. I know, That's thank awesome. you. So if anybody out there <laughs> wants to check it out, it's called Nightlights, uh, written by David Harwood. And it, um, how do I give a good spiel on this? I, this is the bit where I fail. Um, it kind of has to do with alien abductions, and there's a lot of kind of themes from X-Files in there. Um yeah, I mean, maybe go check it out if you're interested. Um, and if you'd like to do that, I would appreciate it. So thank you. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, I've done like nothing since. <laughs> right? Fantastic. <laughs> and there's, so. there's a few little uh, X Files y kind of Easter eggs in it. It's got absolutely nothing to do with X Files okay. other than the I fact that it, it, it it's online, so. thematically, <laughs> thematically some stuff. But there's a few little X Files Easter eggs in there if you want to check it out. So I'm just saying. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kava, uh, you just got back from X-Fest, so tell us all about it and uh, where we can go to find out some more about that. X-Fest was great. I mean, it, I think it was different than a lot of, you know, because I've been to a bunch of Comic-Cons and, and it's always kind of, to me, that those events always sort of feel a bit overwhelming because there's so much going on and it's in these huge areas, whereas... This was literally out in the middle of nowhere in Illinois. It was about a 90-minute drive from uh, Chicago in very, oh, wow. very small town, LaSalle. Um, so it was a very small event um, held out at uh, this, this place called Celebrations 150, which if you're from small-town America like I am, to me it almost sort of felt like you're hanging out at the Knights of Columbus Hall, um, you know, or the, the Eagles Club, you know, small town. That's kind of what it, it felt like in a way. Uh, but it was great because it was just, you know, just the X-Files. It was a smaller crowd. Uh, fans really got a, a, an opportunity to really have good conversations with the, uh, the actors because there was just more time. Um, unless you were in Nick Lee's line, which was hours long all day um, because he, he, he pretty rarely does these, these types of events to the point where 
he was supposed to be on the panel with uh, Mitch Pileggi, William B. Davis, and Annabeth Gish at the end of the day. Uh, but he was just so busy, they decided to just uh, have him continue um, signing so everybody who had purchased tickets would get the chance to to have their uh, their moment with him. So that Good was for him. Neat. Right? Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, it was and, and he really like I mean, they all did. But I, I, I noticed people sort of raving about about uh, Nick specifically that, you know, he really just took the time to, you know, have a good conversation with anybody who was in his line. And that's probably why it, it took all day <laughs> for him, because um, the the event ran from I think it was about 10 o'clock in the morning until six was the official signing hours, because we did have a little bit of time Friday night for people to come in early and pick up tickets and sort of meet that was sponsored by uh, X-Files Deep State, the the mobile game. If you haven't checked that out, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, but yeah, the and if you would like to see highlights from any of the panels or uh, lots of photos from the event, we of course have all of those on X-Files.news. The panels were fantastic. Uh, as we heard from some of your favorite monsters of the week, um, Steve Railsback, uh, who played Dwayne Barry, um, uh, Nick Chinland, who played Donnie Faster, who to me will always be one of the creepiest people ever to grace the X Files. He yes. was delightful. He was so funny and like just kept the audience rolling and, and shared this uh, really funny story about how he knew uh, David Duchovny as they were growing up. I guess David is a couple years older than him, but he, you know, they knew each other in school. Um, so that was funny. And then the the two women who played the Eves uh, did a panel. Um, they did another one that was kind of referred to as trust someone with, uh, you know, Mulder's and, uh, uh, informants. That was Jerry Harden and uh, Steve Williams, who, you know, was also really funny. I mean, as, as much as X is very scary and very stoic, Steve was hilarious. Um, so got a lot of, you know, and, and, and Jerry just sort of ribbing him back. Like that was a, an awesome panel. Um, and the, uh, the alien bounty hunter, uh, Brian Thompson, told a great story about how, um, basically a spat over his hair and, and how to cut it led to him and the, the role of the alien bounty hunter being recurring instead of it just being a one-off, which was pretty neat. Uh, the, the, uh, the last panel of the day, of course, was the, what they called the series regular with Annabeth and William B. Davis and Mitch. And, and one of kind of the high points of that, at least for me, uh, was when, and this is the first question right off the bat from the audience when they, they were asked, um, so when you read that uh, that uh, bombshell about cigarette smoking man being uh, <laughs> potentially being William's father, what did you think of that? And uh, the the amount of tap dancing that went on before <laughs> the two guys answered the question was hilarious and, and captured that moment on video. So yeah, if you have a minute, I would definitely advise uh, uh, watching the the video from the panels because it was pretty damn funny. So. Well, I'm definitely going to check out the story about Brian Thompson's haircut. That sounds. Oh awesome. yeah, <laughs> it was it was a riot, and, uh, and it, the event was really successful. I think people were were pretty happy with it. I mean, there were a couple complaints here and there, but you know, for a first time event uh, with this particular crew, I think they did an amazing job. And um, X Fest has also announced that they're planning on doing it again next year, um, April thirteenth, twenty nineteen, is the date that they've picked, and they are taking suggestions on Twitter. Um, at XFestCon is their handle for people you'd like to see next year. Um, so keep that in mind. If there's people uh, you know you saw this year or people that you'd like to see again uh, next year, now, now's your chance to uh, chime in. Awesome. That's great. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry you got ill as a result. But... <laughs> also Never a little bit jealous failed. I couldn't be there. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah the uh, XFM got, got lucky. I mean, there were four of us that were there working, and uh, and we got to jump in on the, uh, they called it the class photo with all of the cast members that the that were there. So I, I have a copy of that now, and it's pretty neat. I mean, it was, and I, I think, too, you know, there were some people like, oh, well, you know, it was too bad David and Jillian weren't there. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a fair assessment. But at the same time, I think that would have changed the dynamic a little too, yeah. because then you've, you've got like their hardcore fans, you know, that might not necessarily be, you know, they're just for the X-Files. And I, I you know, so I, I think it was fun too, to just sort of concentrate on that in some cases, like that really early history of the show and the memories that those actors had. It was, it was just a really neat experience. So there's my, uh, my commercial for oh, it. Sounds really cool. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, let's dive into this episode then. Um, this is called Familiar. Written by Benjamin Van Allen and directed by Holly Dale, first time writer and director on this show. Um, but despite that, the, sh- the episode actually did feel a little kind of familiar. Um, yeah. <laughs> so much so that I was thinking of introducing this podcast by saying, hey, Benjamin Van Allen, 1998 called it once its X-Files back. Um, <laughs> Cause it, but do you say that in a good way or a in bad a, way? In a, in a good way. In a good way. I mean, this <laughs> this wouldn't be X-Files Talk X-Files if there wasn't some sort of um, nitpicking to occur later on. <laughs> um, but let's start it off on a positive note. I mean, it, it did feel like old school X-Files, you know? It was just, it stripped down to the bare bones in a different way than last week's episode. It was mm-hmm. just Mulder and Scully in the field who didn't even have the X-Files office or Skinner or anything. It was just mm-hmm. purely them out in the field on the case, um, you know, just down to the, the whole vibe of the episode, the music cues, the uh, the color scheme. It's all very blue and bleached out, seemed very sort of early X-Files show. And yeah. it was just such a classic <clears throat> episode. They even left the tagline intact. So, I mean, <laughs> Roy, what were your thoughts on this one? Um, no, definitely. It kind of reminded me of like season two in that like darker, gloomier, um, like thing that they went for it. Like I found that really prevalent in season two when I went through and rewatched, I don't know when it was now. It was a while. (laughs) Um, and I thought it was like pretty solid on most counts. Um, I could like nitpick later, but I enjoyed it. It was it was X Files. I would have liked more Mulder and Scully involvement, but it's kind of felt like they were just there sometimes, and then it was like mostly about you know the other characters. Yes, yeah. I've seen some reviews where they were kind of pointing out it's a bit like Raiders of the Lost Ark, where you know nothing would have gone differently if Mulder and Scully weren't there, other than the sex offender might still be alive. Uh, it's kind of like the same thing in Raiders of the Lost Ark where, you know, Indiana Jones does all this stuff, but if he wasn't there, the Nazis would still get the Ark of the Covenant and they would still all die on that island. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, I kind of get that criticism and I think we're a bit used to seeing Mulder and Scully together in this season and this episode, even though it's just them of the recurring cast, they are separate for quite a big portion of this, it felt like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I'm, I've, I overall, I, I think it was pretty good. I think it honors the earlier episodes pretty well. Kava, what did you think? Yeah, I like, I adored that color palette. I just, you just, you know, right off the bat, it's like, oh yeah. I mean, we're in the woods. It's misty. It's dark. Yeah. It's muted. It's creepy as hell. 
it's a very old school, you know, X-Files look to it. And, and, you know, Holly Dale is, you know, new to directing the X-Files, but she's not, you know, new to directing. I mean, her resume is immense and it's awesome, but she really just dove right in and and just captured the look of it um, from the start. I thought that was the very first thing that, that struck me. Um, And it was just spooky. I mean, it starts off with, uh, you know, a classic scare. And I, I, like you said, she just really gets kind of down to the roots of an X-File. It's set, you know, somewhere kind of small town America, um, you know, very isolated. It's just Mulder and Scully exploring. And I feel like it's been a long time since we've had such a classic, you know, scary monster of the week um, like this. I mean, I, I don't think anything that was particularly that, you know, with that old school X-Files feel that popped up at all in season 10. Um, and, and it was even sort of rare, you know, kind of through the, the last season of the original run. Um, so, yeah, I really I really enjoyed that that part of it. And that freaking Mr. Chuckle Teeth song has oh, been man. in my head since I saw it. You know, <laughs> yes. I'm just like, dude, you know, like I, I, I'm walking around my house and I'm singing it to myself. And I'm like, Ben, I'm going to hold you personally responsible for the fact that this song is going to be in my head for the rest of my life, you know. Yeah, eighty years old, sitting in my rocking chair, singing about Mister Chuckle Teeth and throwing things out the window. But yeah, now that would be creepy. <laughs> that was my, I don't usually find the X Files creepy. I know that it's like meant to be a creepy show, but like most of the time, I don't like get freaked out by an episode. But there are like a couple moments during this episode where I was like, I'm a little uncomfortable right now. <laughs> um, so you know, I think they did a, a good job, like pulling you back to you know, some of the original stuff that, like, horrified us back in the day. (laughs) And I think the thing that that really struck me, too, is what was horrifying about this episode is not even necessarily the supernatural scare of it, because, yeah, that was scary, but the whole mob mentality of it was freaky as hell, because that, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, whether or not you believe in the paranormal, whether or not, you know, you're worried that a hellhound's going to come knocking at your door and be like, hey, how's it going? The the mob mentality thing very much happens and can happen at any you know at any time and and, and so I like that it, that they touched on that I mean I know there was a lot of and maybe we don't want to get into this but I, I saw a lot of back and forth about the line with the the incident with the the sex offender um, and 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 how the the town just sort of piled onto him without any get you know, due process what have you and i and I, I did see you know online a lot of or some you know like well the guy probably had it coming anyway and it was very much kind of a black and white opinion about that which i found mm-hmm. interesting but it, it was on a production note was kind of surprised they got away with just shooting the guy in the head like that at eight o'clock on a weeknight you know that, <laughs> that to me seems like the sort of thing you're gonna you know the kind of violence that you'd see portrayed a little later at night but yeah, I, it, I mean, it was very sort of shocking that just because I guess it was just very sort of dry and not movie-like. It was just, it seemed very sort of natural, real, you know, it, it didn't seem sensationalized or done in a movie kind of way. It just kind of happened. Right. Uh, and, you know, you didn't even have time to sort of look away or anything. It was it's shocking yeah. in that way. And there's a few actual bits throughout the episode um, where it kind of feels like that to me, where you have stuff that's not normally in the Exos, where you have the whole funeral ceremony, you have the court hearing, you know, just some very formal sort of real-world ceremonies, which we're not uh-huh. used to seeing in the Exos, and I think maybe having them in there 
and the fact that we're dealing with the death of children in this episode you know it right. brings a whole more sort of weight that we're not used to to proceedings you know that mm -hmm. things are actually having consequences in this episode and even stuff like um, the car chase where you'd normally expect it to be a bit more kind of Hollywood and over the top it's not a really exciting car chase it's still better than the one in my struggle free um, <laughs> but it, yep. it but it's not a movie car chase it's it seems kind of down to earth and realistic for lack of a better word do you know what I'm saying right yeah. right because the uh, the cops getting impeded by a slow-moving vehicle in front of him uh, happens on a regular basis. I, I am a connoisseur of car chases, being that I live in Los Angeles. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's usually how it happens. You know, the chopper keeps chasing him, but the cops are, like, way behind. So, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I, it did make me chuckle that the sex offender's name was Melvin. That was, <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming that's a little Easter egg for us. <laughs> You know, and here, here's another thing about the, the names, too, because I, I did see some complaining about the fact that they used the name Emily, which it, it first struck me as a little, ugh, you know, yeah. too, but then I, we got to thinking about it. And, and here's the deal with a lot of how these how these names happen. Like the, the writers can name people anything they want, but it has to get cleared through legal. Mm -hmm. And if you find, you know, somebody out there. Like, they probably couldn't use, you know, any of our names. Like, they couldn't name a character K.V. Anderson without, you know, explicitly getting my permission for it. If there's, you know, if it's if the name is too close to somebody who's a real person, they have to go back to the drawing board and come up with something else. So, you know, had perhaps those characters been named something else, it's very possible that, you know, for whatever reason, they weren't allowed to use that name. Like, I mean, even going back to Dwayne Barry, I think his name was supposed to be Dwayne Gary. Um, but there was an actual FBI agent with that name, so they had to change it. Um, I've, you know, there's other instances like that. So it's like before you get to like pile driver on a writer for name choices, I think I think it's important to remember that there's other yeah. things to consider there too. But I, that I said, get that, but then there's other names they could have picked, or at least have yeah, a look true. between Mulder and Scully when they're <laughs> looking at the corpse of a girl called Emily. Just some right. glance between them or something. It's not that yeah. hard. Right. But at the same time, it's like that was 20 years ago, you know? So is it still... I don't know. I, I'm sort of like... I mean, just to be honestly hearing Mulder say the name, Emily was a kick in the gut. But then as I got to thinking about it, it's like, well, yeah, but to these characters, that happened a long time ago. They didn't just revisit that episode over Christmas like I did because they well, like paid. The writers <laughs> clearly didn't. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the thing. And as, as uh, Avi pointed out in her, uh, her interview with Ben, Ben was only six when the show started, so like, <laughs> just like, oh, honey, get off my lawn. <laughs> but I mean, I, I guess I can forgive it because we finally have Mulder acknowledging that he's William's father. Yes. So so good. Big smile so at that moment. It's like somebody knows what's up. You might not remember season five, but at least you remember season eight. <laughs> yeah, that was great. You know, poor Mulder. It just. You know, oh man, I'm I'm sure it'll all get perfectly resolved in the next two episodes, though, guys. <laughs> 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 uh, I bet anyway. that's not on your X Files bingo card. <laughs> <laughs> Closure. No, that's definitely not a uh, not mm -hmm. a slot. That might actually be the jackpot because it'd be so rare. You know, it's like winning Powerball. Did they say that out loud? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, I thought it was a good episode, good sort of story. I, 
all of the publicity seemed to be centered on the whole hellhound thing which that side of stuff didn't really seem to be well fleshed out but it was yeah. good in terms of the red herrings trying to figure out who is behind all of this witchcraft and that first bit where Mulder goes to interview Emily she kind of acts a little creepily so I mean is it her initially you think is it maybe the sheriff himself um, at one point I was even thinking it might have been Andrew's father the cop who was yeah. behind some of this sort of stuff um so it, it was good you know it's good creepy episode the most memorable uh, monster of the week that i think we've had since the revival started um yeah. um mr chuckle teeth there which I, I missed the name the first time i watched the episode i thought they'd say mr chuckle cheese and i was just <laughs> yeah super confused. a bunch of people did yeah um i like that version better yeah <laughs> <laughs> So, no, I mean, it's a really good episode. My problem with it um, comes really in that final third of it. I, I mean, I think structure is a problem in this episode for me. Um, and it starts off in the teaser where we have like three teasers for the price of one. We have the kid going missing and then we have the kid going through the woods and then we have them discovering the body. And it kept feeling like they were going to cut to the opening credits um, in between any one of those. And we had three of them huh. before they finally did. Um I think my problem is that last third, it, it all kind of resolves itself when they go to court and Mulder says the line about the two uh, miscarriages of justice, that an innocent man gets killed, but they don't care because they've got their scapegoat. And I think that was kind of the theme of the episode was about witch hunts and scapegoats. And so I feel like maybe the the mob turning on the paedophile at the end you know, at least closer to the end might have been better because then you have more of a natural sort of resolution, even though it's false closure. At least right. it, it all kind of seems wrapped up. Otherwise, we had this final third, which all stuff goes crazy, but there's not a whole lot of sense to it until you have the sheriff's wife spontaneously combust in the woods. So yes. I think they could have maybe moved some things around towards the end there, and it, it might have worked a little bit better. But, I mean, overall, uh, it's a good episode. I think... I'm just, I don't want to be too cautious of praising this one. Um, it's a very good season 10 or 11 episode, a very good one. Um, but overall, it's probably not, you know, right up there with some of the classics that it looks a little yeah. bit like. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I, I that's fair. Yeah, I think so. Um, like, I enjoyed it. It was solid, but... It's not going to, like, pull me back over and over again. Like, I'll enjoy it when I rewatch and things like that. But there wasn't, like, a large pull to, like, connect with this episode. Whereas, like, some of the others, you know, I'll watch them, like, five times. <laughs> I think, too, one of the things that, that really struck me about this that I enjoyed, um, you know, besides the look and the, the creepiness of it, is it just... I mean, we do really see Mulder and Scully on kind of an even keel with each other. I mean, I know there was some criticism of him defending her at the beginning, which didn't bother me. And it, it just seemed very classic kind of Scully trying to hold her ground against these, you know, small town dudes, which we've seen before and, and continues to happen in everyday life. I love the scene with her and the chief um, where he's just you know, kind of yelling at her and trying to talk her down and she's just keeps going. Like she's not yep. phased at all. and just keeps, you know, laying out with, you know, her, her thoughts and her, her suspicions on this, which I thought was great. Um, and, and at the very end when, you know, they, they're talking about the, you know, 
we just saw this woman go up in flames and Mulder's like maybe it was the candles and she says maybe it was the the gates of hell and they're smiling you know they kind of just the fact that they're meeting each other in the middle there I really enjoyed that um yeah. and it's different to me than it, it, I guess it, it was a, just a very small subtle way of showing how their relationship really kind of has evolved which in a revival that sort of struggled to you know especially last season where we're like oh we're you know we broke them up and we're gonna you know pull them back and try to get some of that tension we had in the early years it just doesn't work that way you know when you've you've worked with somebody for 25 years and you know them that well it's not realistic to me to have them at odds like you would in in the earlier years um so it was a small moment, but something that just really struck me. Well, you know, the way that they had them interacting in this episode, you know, it kind of um, plays a little bit on what we've seen, you know, for years and years in the past, where Scully's trying to work the case like a police detective would or something, like an FBI agent uh-huh. would, and then Mulder's just like, oh, I have a hunch, I'm going to just disappear now, and she's just left there standing there, you know, looking at her phone, and he's hung up and run off somewhere. Yep. It kind of happens this episode because she's there in the police station. He's off in the woods, but she doesn't even bat an eye at it. She's just going to get on with the job at hand. She's going right. to work with the police. She's going to do the detective work, do all of the legwork. Um, he's not there. Okay, whatever. He's off running around in the woods or some shit, you know? And she just right. doesn't even care what he, he can just run off and do his little thing. And she's <laughs> just going to go and focus on the job. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And in the end, it was sort of just, you know, the mix of, of both that at least gave some some of an explanation. I mean, it was the police work that sort of, you know, eliminated the one guy as the as the suspect and part of Mulder's hunch that helped figure out, you know, the other stuff. So again, it was just kind of that that meeting in the middle. Um, yeah, that I I liked. Although I would have, I was sort of sad because for a, long, a while I was, you know, suspecting that it was going to be the police chief, that it was the, you know, the witch, which would, I feel like would have been a, a little bit more satisfying twist instead of it just being the, the other mom again um but yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it really could have been him and I, th- I think it could have been andrew's father at one point as well i forget the exact moment where i kind of thought that and maybe that you know that's why he was so gung-ho about blaming this other guys because he didn't want to accept responsibility himself because you know it right. was his wife that was in the affair as well so maybe he had already figured that out and you know that he was kind of had this mild-mannered sort of exterior kind of hiding that so right you know if they just wrinkle, jiggle some stuff around a bit i think it could have you know been a lot more uh, i don't know just the fact that we had that kind of mystery at the beginning and then we didn't come back to it until the end because we got sidetracked by this accident i think if they'd made it all go kind of simultaneously a little bit more it, it could have been a bit more interesting but it was good i mean you know and it touches on so many um, elements of past episodes, you know, um, like the Kalushari mm-hmm. and um, what's the Easter egg one? Is it Chimera? Yes. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, it was good. I think it was lots of stuff in there for X-Files. Like, it's hard to speak negatively about this episode, especially when it's surrounded by some of these other ones. Um, but it, it was it was good general thumbs up (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah right and i think this was sort of the first one we've had in a while too that there wasn't kind of a a a gimmick to it i guess whereas like you know mr chuckle isn't a gimmick well (laughs) no but it it, it, that to me is like more of a horror trope i'm thinking more along the lines of like let's not talk for an entire hour 
Right. You know, something like <laughs> RM9 or even this where they're fighting against, you know, it's it's not a scare per se. You know, it's not that classic like horror small town. It's It's more of a rage against the machine, I guess, for lack of a better phrase you know there's just kind of because like plus one was also sort of a a, a case file yeah. but you know different again too than, than this was where i feel like this one was more just straight up horror and you're not because plus one also had the whole you know msr yeah. side trip whereas this one didn't it was just strictly about the partnership and this and the the crime and the the scare and the case and it's it's been a while since we've had that, so I think that's what I appreciated about it too. Like the relationship was there, but I was just in the background. Yeah. Which you know, I am a shipper, but I don't need it in my face twenty four seven either. You know, just let it. Well, I mean, be what it no is. one who's grown up with Chris Carter thinks it needs to be in your face twenty four seven. Well, you talk to Tumblr about that. <laughs> um, I feel like. The- Especially some of the younger crew. Like, I didn't have to suffer through as much. I'm younger. But even, like, younger than me, like, haven't been subjected to the pain of Chris Carter for as many years. I feel like it's it's hardened us. <laughs> right. Us oh, yeah. A little bit more bitter sometimes. But, you know, like yeah. you said. Just a little. <laughs> just a little. <laughs> Sometimes. I think it is very different, though. I mean, to to that point, and that's not to you know. I am so glad that new fans continue to find this show, and yeah, and will continue to infuse the fandom with new spirit and you know new creative works and new ideas and to continue to push it you know forward. Yeah. All but the it pretty is, stuff we look at online. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. So I you know I will never like disrespect that because it's great. But it's just I mean the fact is that there is a it is different to you know in the experience of where you you followed something along for you know, nine seasons, not 10 and 11, or over the span of 25 years, as opposed to this fast burn of, you know, you binge watch it all in a month or two, you know, it's, it's just a different experience. And, and I think that's sort of, it, it's just like the different perspectives, I think is, is, mm-hmm. is kind of fascinating. I mean, I, I'm the same way I was new to Battlestar Galactica um, over the summer. <laughs> and I know, you know, my experience of falling in love with those characters was very different, cramming it all into a few weeks of watching than it would have been, you know, spending three, four years That's with the, the least healthy way to do it, too. Right? Yeah, it's like so much pain in so short a time. It's like, this yeah. is terrible, you know? So. I did the same thing. It was really hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So funny. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, and the other thing, too, is I, I will just share this little tidbit. I mean, if you guys haven't read um, Avi's recap and review and her, her interview with Ben, um, he had some some kind of fun insights about, you know, writing the episode, but also shared the little tidbit that, you know, when Scully makes the reference to, you know, spontaneous human combustion, um, Jillian, for once, had actually, you know, because she jokes about having a terrible memory, but she did remember that they'd, they'd talked about that before mm-hmm. and had, had adjusted the line so it makes a little, you know, so it made a little bit more sense, uh, you know, as we've discussed before, you know, spontaneous unit question, you know, you know, and I just thought it was it was neat that, you know, she caught that and then weighed in on it. Um, so, you know, because that does sort of throw back to, to Trevor, I think it is, is the last time they talked about it. Mm-hmm. The thief. I don't know. I'm getting a little fuzzy myself. We'll blame it on the cold meds. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell you the episode, but yes, I have strong memories. Because she catches on fire in like the MRI, right? In Thief, and then she has cooler too. Right. Also, another prion disease, just like Corsfield Yakov disease. They use that twice in the X Files. So yes. Yeah. This has been your science Sunday fact, even though it's not <laughs> Sunday when you're listening. So. <laughs> yes. Don't eat raw good. human brains, guys. Right. Oh, that's damn. That's what yeah. I was planning on having for dinner. Now i got to come up with something else. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's cat food. Just cook uh, up some of Right. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that here, I I just want to float this one with you guys too. So, okay, you know, and you talked about it a little bit about how um, the whole uh, you know Raiders of the Lost Ark of it all, and how you know things might not have been different had Mulder and and Scully you know been there had they not been there. Um, You know, that was something else Ben had sort of mentioned that you know sometimes they don't solve anything because they're terrible FBI agents, and I sort of went. Are they really terrible FBI agents? I mean, do we? I, I sort of feel like the fandom goes either way on this, and, and you see this in fanfic. It's like either they're terrible and they never solve the case, or they're well known for having one of the highest solve rates in the bureau. Yes, I go with that fact. I I choose to believe, and I think it was Skelly, was it or Snap? Anyway, I choose to believe Requiem that Mulder and Skelly are very good FBI agents. Not only that, but like you have all this evidence of them being like, literal geniuses. You know, Mulder went to Oxford. He was, you know, profiling criminals. How old was he when he was, like, in the head of these, like, you know, crazed lunatics? Scully, um, you know, she wrote her dissertation on Einstein, you know, and then she went to medical school and she was recruited by the FBI. You have to be, like, really good to be, like, recruited (laughs) out of school for something. So... And as, as, you know, Scully says in Requiem, we open doors with the X-Files that lead to other doors. So maybe that's the, you know, maybe they haven't been super successful in, in solving their cases this season. I mean, I, I feel like in pretty much every case they've gone on, people have just sort of ended up dead. Yeah. Right? Like, it's you a know, high body so you think that was Chris Carter telling us not to ever expect closure? That we're just going to oh. open other doors? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're going to open other doors and there's going to be a lot of dead bodies. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I'm not going to go there. But yeah, maybe that's the maybe that's the deal. Like, I mean, because in plus one, they solve the case, but Judy and Chucky end up dead. I don't count episode four because there was no case and that's just crack fake on television. So that yeah. aside, you know, there wasn't a case in RM9 other than, you know, a reminder tip. to tip your waiters, which I, I to heart now every time my app is like yeah. do you want to tip the star do you want to tip yes. I was like, yes yes i do <laughs> yes just don't kill me <laughs> you know Take there, my was, there was this case but did they i mean they figured out who did it but there's still a ton of people dead and yeah. do we know if it's it's stopped and not i mean if the if the 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 merry-go-round spinning at the at the very end of the episode indicates is like well they may be leaving town but the evil probably didn't. It sounds so, exactly the same as William's mobile, though. Oh, maybe he's maybe he's maybe he's lurking in the shadows. Maybe William's yeah. yes. making that move too because he's bored and doesn't have anything better to do right now. I mean, we haven't he seen came him in a back while. for his sister Emily. So. Oh. <laughs> uh, do I have something to throw? Like, I'm looking. I, just, I don't know. I blame Ben. 
Where's Ben? We should have him on the podcast to explain himself. To the writer, yeah. Yes, I want to talk to the writer. That's going to be me at the end on Sheep Farm and Whales at two a.m. screaming to the sheep like I want to talk to the writer. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's about it for this week. Um, so if you do want more X-Files in your life, uh, go over to xfilestalkxfiles.com and you can download our bonus uh, episode podcast. Thank you to everybody who has already done that. Thank you, Kava. Thank you, Roy. Hope you get feeling better. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having us. Yep. Thank you. All the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and listeners, if you think Mr. Chuckle Teeth and the Bibble Tiggles are disturbing, you should check out what children are actually watching on YouTube Kids. It's, it's freaky stuff. I did, I think I probably would